Welcome back to the Shift Control Podcast. My name is Paul McAnallen, um, and this is the fourth in a series of podcasts which um, focus on small to medium-sized businesses and startups. And I think when you think of startups um, today, we, we tend to think of tech companies. Um, I was a startup myself about 11 years ago, and um, there are other businesses that are starting up every single day that perhaps don't enjoy the benefit of the mass exposure that some of the tech companies get on social media and that. But today I've got um, a podcast which I recorded through the week with um, Mark and Brigine of the established coffee shop in Belfast in the Cathedral Quarter. Um, it's a really interesting story. It goes on for about an hour and 10 minutes or so, but it's really worth the listen. And, and some of the takeaways for me was that um, if you're thinking of getting into anything that closely resembles a lifestyle business, then you really got to think twice about it because um, Established has been in Belfast for about maybe two and a half years. I was in the Cathedral Quarter area when they set up and I watched them grow from the very the embryo of that business back then um, to where it is now. And it's a brand that is quite an incredible story when you think it's a very short period of time that it has become a very, very prominent brand in the landscape of Belfast very, very quickly. Um, it's associated with fine coffees, it's associated with attention to detail and through the conversation I had with Bridgine and, and, and Mark it's very evident that they're totally committed to, to an end game but also committed to a process and that process is a, where they, they're able to showcase every day those brand values. I won't give too much away but um, it was a fascinating insight into, into why they're as successful as they are and how much hard work that takes, the passion, the commitment, the dedication, um, getting the right people involved getting the right product involved and, and preparing and serving that product as if it's going to be the best cup of coffee that you're going to get that day. Um, coffee space is very interesting at the minute. It's second only to petroleum, I think, in tradable products globally. Um, it's a growth business. It's $750 million, um, in in the UK. It's a billion-dollar industry globally. And um, it's this is now the third wave of uh, coffee consumption or coffee delivery where we went from the Maxwell houses were back in the 1800s all the way through to Starbucks in the um, in the early 2000s and now it's become um, associated with the hipster movement the artisan culture um, but actually it's just a couple of guys getting together to serve really really good coffee in a very convivial atmosphere with some deadly music in the background um, that's my take on established and it's one of my favorite places in Belfast I hope you enjoy the story um, because it is an interesting one, so yeah, I let I let the guys get on with it here. Thanks for for connecting again. Um, you can reach me on shift-control.co.uk or at um, Twitter handle, which is at shiftcontrol66. So thanks for joining. I hope you enjoy the the episode. All right, so we're sat here um, in the Cathedral Quarter, one of the seven quarters of Belfast. Um, I'm delighted to be a hosting this podcast from established with the was it owners proprietors what's the title uh owners is fine <laughs> owners the owners of established mark and Brigine. um thank you very much for for uh, giving me the opportunity here guys we've had a bit of a 10 or 15 minute chat beforehand so um we'll just kick on will we yeah okay. i'm very curious to find out how this all happened. Obviously, I'm, I've, I've been around the area for a little while in Belfast, but so for, for the both of you, Regine, starting with you first of all, how did, how did you end up in here? How did this happen? Um, we had talked about a cafe for around 10 years. Um, we had both uh, worked in Starbucks uh, 
and even before Starbucks, most of our jobs have been kind of in service industry of some sort. Um, and we had this thought, like around 10 years ago, we went to Vienna, we went to Berlin, um, and then we went to London, and we arrived at Monmouth Coffee in Monmouth Street, and both had a coffee and sat outside and thought, we were both still, we just left Starbucks, and we absolutely loved our time there, the people we met, and uh, the information, and the knowledge, just uh, kind of what we thought at that time was the kind of values that we really enjoyed within a workplace. It was just very, very different to what we'd ever done before. And, uh, and then we had this coffee and thought, oh my goodness, coffee can actually taste like this. And there's coffee from the same country, but tastes different. Or there's coffee from El Salvador, Colombia, Africa, when we were in this particular cafe on Monmouth Street that I remember um, and I think Mark does as well and it was just all of the this kind of happening and we thought right we we need to do this we really enjoy working with people uh, we absolutely love drinking coffee um, and that was 10 years ago. Where is Monmouth Street in London? Covent Garden. Covent Garden right so this is well before well no because the Hoxton thing has been and the shortest thing has been a movement or a tribe for about 10, 15 years, hasn't it? I think then it was, uh, yeah, Shoreditch was like the, they were doing a lot of slagging of this is where the, the hipsters or the, the dickheads were. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was very much, it was the throw up Shoreditch. It wasn't the now established uh, kind of, you know, the fact that you've got an ace hotel, the fact you've got, you know, it was long before that. It was, it was all just, it was students, you know, it was still cheap, everything was still cheap, and it was all kind of throwaway at that point. Um, and there was money to be made in yeah, the city. Brid Bridget's so kinda, yeah, Bridget's family yeah, were living in Bethlehem Green, yeah. East London, so we were quite aware of some of this stuff starting to pick up or whatever there, but there was not, there wasn't the coffee shops that are there now, there wasn't those kind of... Uh, it was the big brands, you know, it was, the, it was the people like Starbucks and, yeah. and for us when we started there in 2004, it was, it was actually, it, it's really difficult to explain how much we just fell in love with what we perceived the company to be doing and, you know, um, and just that service element, oh my goodness, we had people coming from Derry, we had people, which then at Junction 1, you know, there was nothing yeah. much else. Okay, so, so I mean, this this was at a time, like, yeah, this is, what, what year was it? 2004. 2004. And we were part of the team that opened up the first ever Starbucks in Ireland, which was Junction 1 in Antrim. Which We've talked about this, yeah. So I, know, I, I, was, I was there, and they were, they were queuing up outside to get into the car park to queue. Yeah. And yeah. I use it, and, and I'm not, I don't want to talk about Starbucks, just no, for all the obvious okay. reasons, but... And just just for people who are listening to this who don't understand uh, the context of Junction One, <laughs> it's it's uh, it, it, well you know it's it, it's a shopping mall of sorts. Um, it's very close to the international airport. Um, but back then, the, and I remember because I was working at the Telegraph at the time, uh, the only advertising that Starbucks did was for baristas. There was nothing else, and um, it was everybody every media owner must have thought we're going to get tens of hundreds of thousands of pounds from Starbucks because they're coming to Belfast they have to promote it and um, they're going to be double page spreads radio ads TV ads 
couple of ads for baristas in the recruitment section and before you know the place opens and I think it opened on the 12th of July was it the, the 12th weekend? No they were the first people to open yeah. on the we 12th opened. sorry yeah. but uh, it, May, was, it, it opened was May. May 2004 but uh, and I've been training in Edinburgh and came back and um, they had asked us you know the 12th of July in Northern Ireland's a big deal should we open and we thought well yeah because lots of people will be out shopping people you know and it was queued down the empty. Queued, we were flat out. But that's what, uh, to be honest, a lot of the staff that we'd work with there up at Junction One, like I worked with some of the, the most amazing people up there. Nothing was a problem. The baristas, the supervisors, they were all really great. And it was really hard times because it was the first, you know, the first Starbucks in Ireland to open. Mm-hmm. So it was cute. And it was the first retail park of yeah. its sort. Like, you That's know, right. Junction 1 did kind of land. It was like a big deal. And I guess the bubble popped once people got there. But <laughs> uh, I, I didn't want to say that. But, but, but they did go to Starbucks because that was at least a novelty. So, um, and then and we I think selling. that was the thing. Like, it was such a, a weird time to join Starbucks because, because it was a new market for them they did invest a lot in the people who were there so I, I did start as a barista there and uh, like we did we did a month's worth of classroom training I would say uh, we went to Clotworthy house and sat in a wee room did coffee tastings went through the recipe book for their drinks went through the history of the company uh, and I trained in Edinburgh for two months so, so just on that, and the reason I talk about Starbucks with a bit of knowledge is that um, I think what they do is brilliant, to a point. Um, the Green Book and your five ways of being, be welcoming, genuine, knowledgeable, engaged, and whatever else the other one is. Uh, I should know these because I talk about it a lot in my training sessions. And the reason I talk about it is that they have, I think, I've done the maths, probably 26,000 stores so I'm working on the basis globally, 26,000 stores. Italy has now accepted them that, that they can move into Italy, right? So they're probably going to grow. They cluster marketed all over London. They had a Starbucks in every corner and they wiped out a lot of the independents. Yeah. But what they were able to do was the one thing and the reason that the one in, in, uh, in Junction 1 was so successful without that overwhelming marketing approach was that reputation. They had built up a reputation and it was the consistency of that reputation that if you went to Starbucks in Moscow, London, Junction 1, San Francisco, Texas or wherever, it would be, what would you like and would you like something to eat with that? It was exactly the same experience everywhere and I think that any business that can replicate customer service like that across so many outlets in so many different countries has to be admired because that's really, really potent. That's very, very powerful. And for us, the one thing that... uh they do exceptionally well our systems. Their systems are in-house systems. They work, and there's a reason. That's why they're able to replicate around the world, um, or perceive that they're replicating and, that yeah, kind of. Any any store that you've ever went into that's dirty and run down, and it's that's down to a store manager and maybe a district that's heaving, and whoever the district manager me doesn't quite get out there enough, or or whatever, because. If you go by the code, if you go by the systems that are set, there's no reason why you don't walk into one in Belfast and it's the same as London, it's the same as Italy and whatever yeah, so else. You're a slave to the process, but the process is so finely tuned that it's perfect, yeah. They, um, yeah. Yeah, and I think that was, that was it at the end of the day. 
that's where it came to an end for us both. Like I, like Bridging left to go and study again, um, taking a degree at Queen's in psychology, um, which led on to a doctorate uh, eventually, but um, <laughs> which was still being done when we opened established. It was um, yeah. So, but and and for me, uh, and so that was a feeling of had got on as far as we could uh, with Starbucks and. I, I don't know if they've redone their training videos, but I, I remember always getting approached even after I left Starbucks by people being like, oh, for Starbucks, you're in the video. Um, <laughs> you're, you're in the yeah, video? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, but, but, but that, was, that was by the fact that we both, like, just as separate people and, and, and together in many ways, but threw ourselves in. And I, I mean, I remember to my disgust at the time when this was kind of towards the end of end of being there uh, being described as very Starbucks like as using Starbucks as a as an adjective and I was just like it's it's a company it's in, like I can't I'm me yeah. and if that behaviour is deemed as very Starbucks well that's it's, it's not because I work here that I'm like that this is how I apply myself to how anything. I do anything um, and that, but, that, but then okay so the one thing that um, Howard Schultz had talked about in, in, in a couple of his books that I would have read, he talks about um, Starbucks is really only about people. He's quite self-deprecating in that, I think, because the processes are obviously um, scale, the scalability. They must have some serious senior management team to do that. But he talks it's not about a very comforting story, though, is it? <laughs> no, I know, and I will move away from it really quickly because no, I'm no. conscious, but don't be because um, it's so so. Uh, diametrically opposed to what I'm sitting here looking at now as a Starbucks um, and the taste and everything um, but he said that uh, the only thing that you can't copy everything can be copied but the only thing you can't copy in a business is the people the people that create the heart and soul and uh, we will talk about that later I know for definite because it's very evident that people is one of your very um, you know you're very uh, very obviously into getting the right people working in, in, in your in your your shop your cafe is it a shop or a cafe coffee shop Coffee shop. Again, this is, comes down to the same thing of owners, proprietors, I know, I know. founders, directors. Yeah, okay. We're, we're uh, yeah, probably, yeah, coffee shops, cafe. Whatever. Coffee shop, okay. So, <laughs> this is, um, I just want to check something. I'm going to put this on pause for a second. And we're back in the room. I just wanted to check uh, the sound levels because uh, right now the uh, coffee shop is empty. And um, there's a lot of it's quite an eerie atmosphere because normally when you're in the uh, in, in established, it's even there's a lot of music, a lot of good music in the background. It's very very busy. So when did it open? When did the, when did the shop open? And tell me a little bit about the story of getting from Starbucks to here. Because right, okay, so you love your coffee um, as evident, and you moved from Starbucks. What kind of decision? What were you working at? There's a gap. What were you working at that you decided we're going to go and put everything into this coffee shop? So uh, I had an offer of going back to university and I thought, right, I'm going to take it. And I uh, started my, uh, my undergrad in psychology and absolutely loved it. And actually at night time then what I did was for a little while I stayed in Starbucks as a barista and stayed on. And then I got an opportunity to kind of help. Uh, there were changing some of the systems in Queens and the university itself. And I, it was the most ridiculous story. We talk about these things in Northern Ireland, like one person away from someone. So when I was manager of Starbucks in Junction One, I opened the international airport, and the girl that I dealt with there was um, 
she ran the whole catering hospitality up there and I ended up my last store in Starbucks I was in Botanic and I happened to be upstairs clearing the tables and I look over and it's this woman who had, had ran the hospitality in, in the airport very quickly just said I was actually just handing my notice in going back to Queen's and she says if you're looking for a job speak to this girl so immediately I thought okay and my grandmother very sadly that Monday um, died and um, I'd lived with her most of my life so it was the most devastating um, time and two days later I get a phone call from this woman who had, whose card I'd been given and she says can you come up for an interview so I'm done two queens for an interview, sat down in front of a girl and went, I know you. So it happened to be the two months that I was traveling back and forward to Edinburgh. I sat beside her every Monday and Friday on the plane, going over to Edinburgh, coming back again. So she was the second in command of all the catering hospitality in Queens to this other woman who'd given me the business card. So I ended up helping them kind of change a lot of their kind of in-house catering systems on their tills and you know just just some of the experience of taking my Starbucks and then I ended up so it was great I had good fun and then I ended up managing the bar up at Queen's as well and then I had a year where I volunteered in my uh, I did a, a my final year thesis with my, one of my favorite teachers and I ended up volunteering for him in his lab for six months and then he paid me for six months and he says I'm going to see what we can do here about a PhD and he wrote up PhD and I got funded by Dell for three years to take on this doctorate and at night time I worked in the silver service in the Great Hall in Queens just extra cash basically uh-huh. because we needed the money and you know Mark then uh, anyway so that was kind of what I'd done then for three years but in between all of that we have been very very lucky to travel you know and go on weekend breaks and so then we started kind of more looking at where coffee places were and you know um, making sure we were trying to find the best places we we could in the cities and as I said we went to Vienna and which was absolutely beautiful Berlin back and forward to London Barcelona so this was under the pretext of market research but serious market research I guess yeah so I think we just every time we did it we came back going we need oh we need to do this oh we need to do this do you remember um, Berlin we were sitting but, in Berlin in yeah. the beautiful this little cafe and what first of all, what I loved was we were sitting outside and we were sitting beside each other. And I said, you could sit with the person that you love with your arm around them mm-hmm. and not actually... And watch everything go by. Whereas what we do here is you put up the two people opposite yes, each other. further away. And then they brought me out a coffee with a tiny glass of water on a silver tray. Mm-hmm. So this is absolutely beautiful. This yeah. is just like the, that little bit of detail. That I can clean my palate either before I drink my coffee or if I want to do it afterwards. What a lovely yeah. thing to be given and to be sitting beside each other instead of a table. And, so, and every time we just came back more kind of going, oh, kind of like we need to do this. We, we have to do this because every time we got back, no disrespect to, to anybody in business in Belfast, but we never could, and a part of that obviously is being away in a different city and whatever else, but. We can never find that same experience, and you often find places that actually you can get a decent coffee, but then there was either no or like pretty terrible food alongside that, yeah. or some places where you got like kind of some quite nice food, but then the coffee was terrible, and 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 maybe somewhere in between the service was terrible, or you know, and we were just constantly like, oh, like we we felt like there was never really a whole bunch of places to go, 
and felt like that's definitely something that we had a lot of passion for and, and, and knew we could deliver on. And, but w- while Brisbane was doing a degree, obviously that kind of felt like it had an in, a, f- a very finite time of, okay, well, the degree will finish at this point and then we can look at it then. And then that kind of went into the research work and then the paid research work and then the PhD. So then it was like, okay, the PhD was there, you were doing that. And it was like, okay, there's a definite finite time for that to end and maybe we'll do it at the end of that. And meanwhile, in that time, I was, I had uh, been working for the civil service. Um, so I did that for seven years. Um, and that was always a case of, like that was us trying to redress the balance because having worked in retail for so long um, between Starbucks and I did a brief stint with uh, HMV actually was, was just because I was watched too much Empire Records and uh, High Fidelity yeah. that I was like, this is the job for me. Um, but again, it was retail and, and um, with our, our older son, Matthew, who's 13 and with a, a, a younger son, Max, who's four now. Um, but it, we just didn't have that work-life balance. Like we were, it was kind of felt like you were living to work as opposed to working to live. So um, Bridget was doing something that was kind of bringing just in terms of like going and getting a degree and, and kind of taking that box off having not done it before um, and, and pursuing learning and, and everything else. It felt to me like I was just going out to work and just working all the time. So taking the civil service job was kind of taking a step back and being able to go, okay, there's more controlled hours, um, better holidays, off at weekends, uh, weekends spending up with children and, and everything else. So that, that made a whole lot of sense. Uh, to be doing that but I always knew that I didn't want to be there yeah. forever and every day you would walk in and or anytime you would change from one role to the next like you'd meet new people who were like oh yeah no I'm not going to be here forever you know, how long are you here for? 15 years 20 years 25 years and you're like you've been here this long like what what stops you from doing anything else and, but that's just it you, I guess that's kind of Northern Ireland it is, but there's, there's a couple of things there that, um, you know, everybody, the 67 pence in every pound is public sector, and, and I don't think it's in Northern Ireland. I think a lot of people have the someday I'll attitude. Mm. Not today, but I will eventually. And um, in, in, in Northern Ireland right now, there's the, the notion of a startup is very tech-based. Everybody thinks you're a startup, you're a tech startup, you're going to get five or six million funding, mm. you're going to be the next X, Y, and Z. You know, and what you're doing there, you're making it sound like a lifestyle almost. You, we went to these places, we saw, we got inspiration that validated our, our decision making and then we went for it. But I was around the Cathedral Quarter when you started um, and I know that there was very little about a lifestyle. You wouldn't have chosen that as a lifestyle at all because it's hard work. Like it's, yeah. you know, so we talk about Starbucks, we talk about the Junction 1, we talk about the, the theory of, you know, uh, guys can uh, brand and put their TV out and do all this and everything else. You're starting a business from scratch. You went straight to from zero to hero. What was that like? Was because because of the day? I know the signs around here said opening soon, and they were opening for a little bit longer than they should have been. It was like a week, maybe a week. But you eventually opened when, and what was that process like? Well, we got the keys, and we opened six weeks later because at the, uh, we had to. And know? why here? Why here? 
This wasn't art, but we'd always enjoyed this area. It was always we, a very We had always area. talked Cathedral yeah. Quarter like since 10 years, like yeah. 10, 12 years ago. Like uh, We had looked at a previous premises elsewhere um, and we'd fallen in love with it, but it was kind, and that was about, it must have been a good five years ago, you know, it really was. Um, before, yeah, it was about two years before we even thought about this because um, I was still doing my PhD at the time and Mark had kind of set up a business uh, with music uh, so he'd kind of started doing something else as well and then um, the coffee thing came up again and you just said I'm just going to put myself in for this competition in Dublin, the Aeropress Championships oh, yeah. in 2013 and uh, and there's not too too much I don't need to make Mark's head any bigger but uh, he literally trained himself like it was phenomenal to watch in that when you give I think that's where we get on quite well in, in lots of ways in that if we'll give a hundred percent you know we're not going to go in it and not give our best like that's the commitment to it that's to everything so when I don't do something well I want it to be better I think that's where we've always wanted things to be better um, I'm watching Mark doing the competition and training. It like it was amazing to watch the first, the Irish Bristol Championships. He trained himself with help from one of the guys that he got to know in Dublin. But it was basically himself, just reading, listening to podcasts. Like it was unreal. And the first competition, big big competition, he came fourth in Ireland. Like it was unbelievable. And then he did the Aeropress Championships a couple of like months later or something after that. And he phoned me from Dublin and he says, I just won. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wasn't surprised, to be honest. I would have been very, very shocked if he hadn't have. So um, people who, who don't, first of all, I, I haven't, I, I'm assuming that people listening to this will, some will have heard of the established, some will have be regular customers and other people won't, won't have heard of it. Um, but all of that attention to detail and the hundred percent effort is reflected in everything you do here. And to try and to, so if looking to take this to inspire or to help people who are thinking about can they start up? Is it possible to start up? You've immediately identified some of the yeah areas that that I think are prerequisites to do anything by yourself and for yourself. Is that you, first of all you need that vision and you evidently had that vision from either at your time in Starbucks or before that, and then this. 100% commitment to the cause because mm. you've got kids, you've got a job, you're doing PhD, PhD's not studying, PhD's like a life oh, of yeah. its own. So, so you know, how, how do you make all that work and make it real? Because it's a, that's a we, we've, I think we've just never been shy of work and, and we've all, we knew, because again, that Starbucks experience told us like, <laughs> that it's, it's, it's not all roses, like it's not, like we, we weren't walking into this thinking, Oh, I just would love to open a coffee shop because since we opened here, the amount of people we've met that would love to open a coffee shop, like I didn't realize that it was so many people's dream to own a coffee shop. Like, and and and, but and, and it's I, not, you know. Yeah, but but, but that's nice the thing. To say so. Yeah, but but like, like so many people think, oh, it's not great. Oh, I would love to open a coffee shop. Oh, oh. and like it's not like they say it in a way yeah it's not like literally like something I'm working towards but when we said it we were honest about it like we, we meant it and we also knew exactly what that took in terms of the, the, the hard work that it would be did we underestimate that yeah we did uh, that, that's that's the reality like we we knew that it was going to be hard sweat and tears and everything else but 
I think it broke us to a whole other level that we we maybe weren't quite prepared for, um, and that was with trying to be very realistic about the whole thing. Um, but you, but just, what, what you what you have as well though, um, get, let me get this right. Two two and a half years, mm-hmm. two and a half years. Okay, um, so you open up two and a half years. Um, there are so many businesses in and around the area that have failed in the last two and a half years. Yet it's fair to say you have a very very strong brand in the area and. Um, for the millennials who, who are listening to this, I'm not going to say without any marketing because a lot of your activity is online, social and very much advocacy, referral and word of mouth because you've got a really, really uh, such an incredible reputation in, in this area um, and people refer very positively to you and TripAdvisor and so on and so forth. Um, but you had a vision for the brand and, and you, had a, you know what it takes having worked in Starbucks and having the training, have you fulfilled, have, has the brand arrived at the destination you had expected it to? Or has it moved and pivoted along the way? I don't think we ever, I don't think there was ever an end. I don't think we ever thought that far ahead. I think we kind of thought, we're gonna, we're gonna do this and we're gonna work really hard at it. We want to have the best coffee that we can find uh, and pay more money for it because at the, end, at the end of the day someone is doing such hard work at the other side of the world to get a product here for us to take care of in the cafe so to do all of that we need great people now that's a totally different ball game altogether and that I think that and then we've just seen this kind of build and I, I think what happened was it wasn't just that the mocks and the beards and the hats and that kind of perception that people thought it was. I think we've earned people's trust and that's something that's really quite remarkable. Like that's something every single day. I think we were open two weeks and I said to Mark one day, because I, I wasn't here every single day at the very start, obviously because I was studying and Matthew Mox as well. Look at the demographic of people in this cafe. We have people from 18 to 80. Look, you never want to get rid of that. That's what you want. Mm. Well, that's what I think I would want in a coffee shop. I love going into places where everyone is there doing whatever they need to be doing. There's people, you know, learning. There's people, do you remember the two brothers who must have been in their 80s who used to come in every week with suits and they would sit with the Irish News Mm. there at the top of the table and drink coffee and they were in their 80s. And you just, and then you maybe have someone at the other side doing a startup, you know, that kind of. And, that, that, and we knew that the brand could be that. But again, it comes back to like part of what we're talking about before. Like when you're talking about uh, funding a startup like this, like going to a bank and saying, that's what you want to do, you, like they would laugh you out of the room because they're just like, you, you can't create something like that. Mm. Like that's not what. And we never audibly. Or in or, or or like articulated that in any way because you're just like that was the dream in our heads of what it would become, but I think if you say that that's what you're going to do, you'll never actually do it. Yeah. Like the amount of companies that have been born out of here is incredible. Like Boundary Brewing, Matt sat here for three months dreaming up Boundary Brewing, uh, uh, you know, and took it from this idea right through to creating a cooperative, getting hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of backing of, of people coming in as sh- shareholders and now has an amazing successful brewery in Belfast. Like, uh, 
you could go on, like we could go on about lots I'm of places. I, I, I want you to do that in a second. Um, I had read this, got this quote from the Guardian. I had to do a bit of research on, on coffee, and um, I, I'm I, I'm not an aficionado. I know what I like, and, and I like coffee, and I like certain types of coffee, and I'm fairly promiscuous in terms of where I'll go for the coffee, and it's basically location based, and I, I will invariably come back here. But I don't know enough about it, and you guys are definitely um, you're you're intelligent. And your intelligence about, about the industry shines through from that uh, idea of wanting to um, make sure that the people where the coffee starts off are looked after and everything else. I did a little bit of Googling, and one of the things that I came up with um, was uh, from a guy called Adam Smith, who had written in The Guardian, um, who says, Representations of the coffee house are remarkably consistent. Even today, coffee is connected with fashionable sophistication. As a cultural icon, the coffee house stands alone in a broadly imagined hinterland, somewhere between the stuffy cloisters and libraries of the University Academy and the hipster corners of Shoreditch, Manchester's Northern Quarter, and I've added in at the bottom here Belfast Cathedral Quarter. And this place has a, a perhaps a, a people's brand perception is that it's a hipster cafe, mm -hmm. and you know there's no shortage of beers here, right? But at the same time, I have come in here on a Saturday and a Sunday, and I've seen the queues going out the door, and it's just a demographic of Belfast. It's not mm -hmm. hipsters, and the music isn't the Avet Brothers and Old Country and all that sort of stuff, yeah. as much as I'd love it to be. It's a complete snapshot of Belfast, and that shows how authentic the brand is, that anybody and everybody wants to come, I think. You know, um, and... You, you probably, when, when you write the book or the books are written, you'll probably write in the book, yeah, we planned that, because that's what they all do, right? But, but you've, that's a journey. You've had to come along that way. I, I mean, we genuinely did. I mean, I, again, I think going back to some of that Invest NI stuff as well, whenever you had to write that business plan, and not that they made us write one, and that was the reason why we did it. We never finished the whole thing with them. But when you were writing it yourself, like, yes, we did that market research and said, okay, there's a gym across there. How many members has that got? Okay, there's a park, car park there. Like, how many people use that? Okay, there's a big office there. How many people's in it? Blah, blah, blah. And yes, okay, you could go the kind of hipster coffee culture. Okay, that's targeting probably mainly males between 20 and 35. Okay, and they're into their tech startup. They're, they're probably working at a tech startup or, you know, Travel to Portland or you know whatever like that's okay yeah it was kind of a given that you would probably get those people so like I would you, be, couldn't, you couldn't thrive alone on them because they're not a big enough number. that's it that's the thing in Belfast that's what we always said to everyone was like yeah. you create a hipster number one they haven't got any money so yeah. you're not yeah. going to make any money and 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 number two there's not enough of them like we saw it with other people trying to do this thing of like trying to provide do really niche things in Belfast and we're just like. It's too small a city. Like it does, it doesn't, it just doesn't work. And it was always for us of trying to. Why would you want to discount people, yeah. like other people, especially people in, you know, your in a service industry? Like it's never. I have. We've never ever thought this is the type of person I want to come through the door. It's you. Like it's your city. You don't know who's going to come through that door. Um, we used to have kind of games when we went to on holiday, and you know, get into conversation with people and see how many business cards we come back with. Because you know, as you know, with Mark and I, love a good chat. Our staff will tell you that. You know, it should be, it should be comfortable, and people should want to come in. You know, I've had one man that comes in who's been drinking great coffee for forty years. Um, we use cafetiere, we question them over this all the time about the cafetiere and we have a laugh with them. But 
he's just he's great now we only see him now and again because he doesn't live in Belfast but when he is he says it's just so great to walk in now and get great coffee off the shelf mm. he says not been doing this for 40 years and there, and there's a there there is a movement out there there are people who absolutely love their coffees that I'm only aware of since you've opened up and I, yeah. and I, I like yeah. I like the cafe culture I like the the sort of the, 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 the idea that you can sit in and there's a very very diverse range of people and the music is, is as appealing as the ambience is as the, the personalities around as the product is um, and I suppose the, the what you're saying about Rosina I think is that it's customers' expectations, customers' the predictability of the other offerings. So customers are going, yeah, but look, he's, they've all got beards in there. That's not for me. Yeah. And yeah. The, the challenge, ironically or paradoxically, is that the, it's, it's for you to be understood. Mm-hmm. You need to be understood and you need to have these very evident brand values. The minute people yeah. walk in that they know this is the place for me or yeah. it isn't, and it's not because of the other customers, yeah. it's because of me. And that's the yeah. thing. Like, we've never wanted to appeal to everyone at the same time. Like. We've known, we've known, in fact, I think we've per- probably thought, if we don't get some one-star reviews, if we don't get some people who hate us, we're probably not doing our job right. Like, this isn't for everybody. Like, if you want, if you want a venti caramel macchiato with, you know, half-calf, extra this, ec- you're not going to get it here. And that's not to say you're wrong. This is what you want, but you're not going to get it here. You're not going to like what you get here. And that's okay. Like, you can't provide everything for everybody. But what people should be able to do is, oh, but they're really nice about it. And they gave me a latte and they made sure I got enough sugar on the side that I might enjoy it. But actually, I noticed their menu board and the food looks delicious. I'm going to go back for lunch. And this is the you thing, know, just, just, just on that though, the, the, the food is amazing in here and, and yeah, it's a coffee shop, you know, and um, going back to what you said there, Mark, it's one of the things that Churchill said, uh, one of those random quotes that he said, if you go through life um, and, you, and you fall out with people, that means you're standing up for something you believe in, you know, and you've got to stand up, you're running a brand from scratch and it's, everybody says location, 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 if that was the case, this should be in the Lisburn Road because that's where the people are maybe more often, but that's also where the high rents and rates are and that's lacking vision because it's too easy and it's actually very hard to run a place down there because it's peppered with coffee shops that fail and are reliant on bigger brand networks to make them thrive. This place was desolate, this place um, is a visionary thing. And, and, and it's always been a thing, Cathedral Quarter, oh, your Cathedral Quarter, amazing. We're sitting right opposite a business that was booming at one point in the pot of hand that isn't there anymore. Yeah. And it's right in the bang in the middle of Cathedral Quarter. Guess what? It's not the secret that you need to just be here. And certainly when we opened, daytime trade, was no su- there was no such thing. Sundays, there was no such thing mm-hmm. as people being around here. Um, there's a lot of sandwich shops who do a great job of what they do, uh, but they aren't, well, some of them are open early in the morning, but they don't open past half two in the afternoon. And and there was never a feel. There was a you go in and get your sandwich, you go. Like the that there was no real community around the cathedral quarter. It's not as if we were here all the time because there wasn't a huge reason to be here. But as soon as we opened, that's what we felt start to kind of just pull in these different people in. You would just be sitting here serving coffee at seven thirty in the morning. You know, you walk in and you're sitting there chatting, and you're about to leave. But then Damien walks in, and then you get chatting to him, and and then someone else that he knows comes in, and you figure out that then you know that person through this. And to have watched those conversations happen, to watch those relationships develop, 
you know, has been amazing. We we got like an even just on personal level, like we got an email last week saying, "Would you guys consider a venue here for a wedding?" My my husband and to be and I met in established. You know, uh, you're like that, that like it's you know amazing. that's really cool. And this and the venue has been used for uh, photo shoots and it's been used for um, movies or uh, TV programs mm-hmm. or whatever. And I didn't really describe it. I don't know how to describe it. For me, I couldn't describe it and then get the slap in the face afterwards. But it's very, very Scandinavian in my, what I assume a Scandinavian coffee shop or restaurant would be. And partly it looks very sterile because it's very concrete and it's very, uh, it's not stark, it's just very, um, it's not monochrome. And, and it is what it is, but it's so warm, it's untrue. Yeah. It's, it's the, everything about it is so, so considered. The table in the middle, the powerpoints. I think you were one of the first places in Belfast to saying where people are going to come in here, they're going to work, um, and that's where it gets the reputation of the hipsters with Macs in, because there's a lot of guys coming in with beards who are working on their computers. But so what? Because that's where they're working. Because actually, if that subsidises their life and they're comfortable to do it here, it's another reflection of the ambience that you create. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, that I mean, that was definitely from our our our, our wee weekend breaks and stuff that we were. Like it was great. Uh, we love traveling, and we've traveled with Matthew and Max as much as we possibly can. And any time we get a chance, we do it. But that's what we we love that. And I I've been pretty lucky. From when I was fifteen, I have a lot of family down the west coast of the states. So um, my mum and dad have always been like great. They would borrow from my grandmother, and then I would just be shipped off to some random family member awesome. who I'd never met before. Awesome. And that coffee kind of culture kind of thing. A uh, big thing, you know, people going to church. Afterwards, there would be donuts and coffee, and that always kind of stuck in my head of that kind of community thing. It was a time to stop, and you know, there was always that connection there. But any time we went places, there was, especially as the internet kind of progressed, you know, and you're a tourist in another country, and you're going, well, I want to phone home, or uh, I want to, you know, connect with something. I want to find out if it's something else in the city. And it'd be sometimes very difficult just to f- stick, you know, charge something. You go, right, okay, let's go back to the hotel room. We'll charge, you know. And that was definitely for us that kind of central place of people don't abuse it. Like, they really don't. And actually, you know, between the both of us, we wouldn't be, you know, ha- wouldn't have a problem going up and saying, you know, hey, mm-hmm. been here four or five hours. This is kind of, you know, it's a two-way street. And honestly, people are great. You know, they buy... And they really enjoy the fact that they can, there's no hassle with that. And they get to know each other. That is the most amazing thing, Paul, is the amount of people and friends, relationships that we watch. It's fantastic. Like, you, you, there's no, it, that is kind of priceless. That was part of what we always wanted, was just and, that. Yeah. And I think, again, it comes down to, with the whole power thing and Wi Fi, was about people go right how do you stop that from happening like how do you stop people just sitting there with a laptop all day and, and not buying anything and and i remember reading about places in the states that they uh, made the chair height and the table height at a certain thing or or a certain depth for your bum to get on that you didn't want to sit in that seat for half an hour any more than half an hour and that was the whole point was yeah. make it just slightly uncomfortable or they had free Wi-Fi, yeah, yeah, free Wi-Fi, but they turned it down to a point that loading a tweet would, would be difficult. 
you know, they just channeled it right down and they obviously had their own separate Wi-Fi for anything of the cafe's needs, but the public Wi-Fi was just absolutely shocking and you couldn't do it all. So again, well, you're not going to sit there because it won't even load my emails. I can't send an email. Yeah. This is pointless. Yeah. Uh, or we have Wi-Fi yeah. between 5 and 7 in the evening. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, you know th those things, and, and a lot of them felt very underhand. And you kind of thought, like, just that, like I, the people who just said, right, here's the rule, no Wi-Fi. You're like, cool. Like, then people knew where they stood, but like the fact that you have it and it won't actually do anything. But but it is, uh, it is it is of its time too. Yeah. You know, the people are people. It's like when I was in New Zealand at the time, you were queuing up to get one the one terminal, which was back in '99 or 2000. There was one terminal, and you got half an hour, and you had to put money in, and you was this good value of two dollars for an hour? You yeah. Know. And now people come in, and and every device they have will be tuned into your Wi-Fi. Yeah. But you were making that decision to do that well before it became appropriate to do that. Mm. And I'm, I'm not just saying that to blow it around you, but that's, that's the fact. And I, and I know that whenever um, you opened up, we had the conversation and you said that you, you do this strategically so that you want people to come in and feel that it is their home. Come back to the Starbucks thing. Starbucks created the phrase of the third place. Yeah. So you had your home, your work, and then the other place you could go to. You've evidently kind of crack that. I hate the references to Starbucks because it's so, it's so, it's good so in your we, we don't, we, yeah, yeah, like again, like it's funny because you come across a lot of people who's been like, oh, yes, sorry, yes, sorry, yes, sorry. And then we go, Half our oh, staff are Starbucks yeah, we go, yet. oh, we used to work there. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. what? Really? This hipster guy with the beard worked <laughs> in Starbucks? And you're just like, yeah, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. And here's what I took away from it. You know, and like, do, do I love? Do I do I go to Starbucks now and and enjoy something about? It? No, I don't. I've definitely used it to take our young son to go to the toilet or whatever. Like, because again, it's that reliable convenience. Um, and and would it de and definitely have we been in other cities or in an airport and went? Okay, you've got cafe something here, Luciano, or I've got a Starbucks. Well, I go to Starbucks because I know exactly what I'm going to get. That's what I said, but that's the consistency. Yeah, it's incredible. Just on the, the, some of the stuff that I was looking at for um, the, the coffee thing, there's all these quotes out there, and it's a 750 million industry in the UK, it's a 500 billion industry globally. Um, they reckon it's uh, more tradable or second only to oil in terms of its tradability in the markets and, and all that sort of stuff. There was another reference that um, after the Boston Tea Party, you probably know this, right? So that the Americans decided to drink coffee just as a, as a sense of freedom over drinking tea from yeah. the fight against the, the, the British uh, colonials. But why is coffee so popular right now? What, what, what is that that has made it just basically, um, the culture of coffee now is very, very similar to the culture of tea in the 70s and the 80s, I think, where there's a place in Harrogate called Betty's Tea Shop tea rooms mm -hmm. where people drive from all over Yorkshire to go and they'll queue outside to get a cup of tea and why what, what's it with coffee then I, I think there's a romance with coffee in a way I think it's for me thinking it's spread from the states across you know um, I, I don't think it was part of our culture for a long time it was always tea and then all of a sudden this people started to travel you know, and maybe that was like during the troubles and stuff as well. Maybe there was that kind of thing that people brought back with them. Great memories of coming back to a country that was not in a very good place at the time. It, it could be lots of things. It's probably the cool thing for lots of people no. to do as well. It's but I do think there's like a, I think there's a travel aspect of it. Yeah, and it's so hard to put your finger yeah, on what is. the shift is now. Because yeah. I can remember being the gig on coffee forums, reading about 
processing and varieties of coffee and brew methods and all this kind of stuff like a long time ago I'm thinking I was the only person in the world that would or certainly the only person in Belfast that would be interested in this kind of thing uh, and then you suddenly started to find all these other people but it really took a massive turn three or four years ago and, and led mostly by big companies in, in North America um, but from a big business point of view especially coffee has really boomed uh, and, and I can't put it I don't know whether it's that kind of uh, cultural shift towards quality and, and you know you're able to throw words like artisan and hand roasted and you know this stuff that makes it people feel like it's uh, something they can get a hold of a bit more it's, a, it's something more tactile but I think there's also that element it's that it's, treat, it's an affordable you know, luxury it's, that's, yeah. that's it yeah. and like at the end of the day that's what I think a huge thing come down for us was like, are you going to pay one fifty for something you don't enjoy, that doesn't taste good, like that you don't want to drink, but it's just some kind of caffeine delivery system. There's, there's certain people that's like, that's fine, that takes the box, I don't want to give, spend any more than that. Or would you rather pay two seventy and actually really enjoy something, perhaps even if you want to engage that a little bit more, learn about it. Um, and, and actually really enjoy it. So if it's, if it's, um, the, the picture that I get and probably the learnings that I'd like to get across to the people that are, are, are listening to this, but it's about, as I said to you before, it's the startups and small to medium-sized um, organizations that maybe people like yourselves who are in this, you know, the cusp of life change and they don't know it yet and there's a fear. Banks aren't giving money. You know, it's a big risk. Um, everything's a big risk. But, you know, there's a, there's a, there are some really great ideas out there that, that obviously... Um, will live or die on, on this attention to detail and this market research. And you're kind of going through a, a bit this business plan. You're are narrating a business plan that you've obviously gone through to get here. You know, you must have known so much about the market that there was no sign, even if some guy trying to bomb across the road was going to tell you you were wrong. Yeah. You know. I, we we, we had my parents to pay back. I think that at the heart of it all, we borrowed everything from my parents, which they had borrowed. Mm. So that in itself, and the type of people were, who Mark and I are, were works concerned anyway, was we will work three jobs, you know, if it didn't work. But I don't think we ever come into it thinking it wouldn't work. And, and it's a funny and thing. that's not arrogance at no. all. It's just we know the measure of our work. We know that like, we have put everything on the line as, as individuals, as a couple, as a family. Like that's, there's under, I would not underestimate how much damage that did to us. So never mind physically, like how exhausting and the weight we lost and you're just not hungry. You know, it's funny being around food all day, you're not hungry, but the damage that we did to the things that we love outside, uh, we will probably never know that we will still be taken care of now, but we are taking care of that now and that's what we acknowledge and we know that we've built something that has taken really like we've had to dig deep a lot of times um, when you're just, you've nothing to give, nothing mm. left to give, but you must put your smile on, you know, and that's, that's not being yeah. false, it's no, not being false, it's just, it's being, that's what we want people to feel. But th that's a very refreshing admission um, because 
uh, you know, people uh, certainly in, in, in Ireland have heard things, ah, great, Jesus, they're deadly, you know, and you can see they're carrying the world, and you're a very customer-facing um, business, and ultimately people judge you by your reaction to them as much as they do by the product behind the counter, and your, your staff here are, are exceptional. Um, but for those people who think that oh, a great lifestyle, I'm going to open up a coffee shop, they don't see that picture. They don't know that it's 15, 16, 17 hours on your feet, three hours sleep, two hours sleep, but come back to the other life that you have as well, the children, mm -hmm. the obligations to each other, the obligations to your, to your parents, the obligations to your friends. And all of a sudden the picture is, you know, you know, the civil service is good enough for a spot for me. Yeah, and it's totally understandable because just for a lot of people taking that leap, it's just too much. I think for us, I've, I've change doesn't frighten me, you know, and I don't want to ever get to the point that it does, you know, because I don't think it's a good place to be. Um, I think that we have to adapt and change with, I'm sure, some of the market as it goes, because it's actually quite interesting in that you look at something like London, and for us, every time, you know, we've been back, that glass ceiling is like, where can coffee shops go? You know, it's just a mass of coffee shops there. But if you're breathing, if you're if you're responsible for other coffee, people have come here and they're working in other coffee shops and they're taking this ideology and intellect with them, you're responsible for a movement here and, and almost, whilst you're still looking over there, you're cognizant of the market being here and this you haven't even come close to starting really because it's you know you're very you're still in growth phase you're two years two yeah. and a half years you know it's not mature by any stretch of the imagination yeah. you know um i'm conscious of time but we've done 50 minutes and that really i know it's a good a fascinating story like really i got a few questions i want to get at you here just because i'm intrigued as much as anything else um as a marketeer and as somebody who's interested in branding and positioning um without really trying too hard this is in my head right you have created a brand and it's positioned so so exceptionally well and it just feels just like it's always been here how's that been done and what would you say your brand values are um to support that and to underpin it i i, I think from first of all from uh, from a purely physical and aesthetic point of view like that was Part of the whole thing of having a coffee shop on the corner is essentially two of your windows are outside, or two of your walls, sorry, are the window to the outside, uh, which was kind of just felt like you, you almost don't walk in off the street. You just, you know, it's like you, you just you just come in and it's like Dixon's and the it's, shops and Dixon's yeah. the windows were like that, so you could just are curved and, and you also, how yeah, do you get in here? You yeah, know, it was, it's kind of just as put putting as little obstructions in place as possible and. And not overkilling people with it either, not throwing it all over people. Like, you know, I think we're always tired of going in places where you just have the logo everywhere. We just have bombarded by writing. and. So as I look around here now, um, I, can, I can see the reverse perspective of the established, and it's not even established, it's just yeah. the STD, which is your iconography, which is really strong. Yeah. And I'm looking at some of those mugs. I'm not going to talk about the mugs, I want to buy one of those. but. Um, it's not anywhere else, and that's uh, I think it's very refreshing. But I think for me, branding is about people anyway, and it's about behavior and attitude. And, and that's it. The, the, at the end of the day, what what was kind of funny was that people were like, "Oh, it's that hipster place." And then if you extrapolate that a little bit, well, they're 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 uh, are you allowed to swear on this? Go yeah. ahead. Uh, they're they're dickheads, right? Like I just always think of that being a dickhead's cool, like that video thing that went around for a while. Uh, about hipsters, and but that was the whole thing. You'll walk in, they'll be like, 
mm, yeah. you look cool enough, mm, you know, this is a some kind of tunnel. This is, you know. <laughs> but it's like we've, what we've in, what we tried to impart onto our staff and, and come with the attitude of ourselves is just like make it feel comfortable, right? So if Paul comes in. Paul doesn't want to know what the, where the coffee came from. Paul yeah. wants an Americano in a takeaway cup. Maybe we splash the cold water. Are you making a, are you making a reference to the day I stood there with the arms going, because there was something in front that was so interested in the coffee, yeah. and then I realised, like, yeah, that's what you're about here. Yeah. Because the detail is here, and if you it, want the it, detail, you it's, can get the it's a balancing act to try and deliver to the people who do want it, yeah, exactly. and then yeah. keep a throughput going. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, I, I mean that if you walk up, I get to talk to you about, hey, how's it going? I don't talk to you about the coffee because that's not what you're here for. You're here to get a coffee, yes, but we're gonna, we're not, I'm not gonna go into details on that because that's not what's important in that relationship. That's not what you walked in here wanting. And if I start throwing that on you, you're like, I'm not gonna go in there because yeah. it's, it's, that's, it's not what I want. But that's part of the. One of the first conversations with you, I remember at the time, and it always stuck with me. Um, you know, we'd, you'd kind of start talking about other places that you've been to and whatever, and you just said, you know, the change the hours, you don't know what's going on all the time. And I remember that from you, and I think at the time you said, that's probably what you'll have to do at some point. And I remember going, we will never change those hours. And I, that conversation with you, I thought, even if I wanted to, I can't now, because it's not right. You shouldn't mess customers around. If you're open, send from the beginning room from seven, you should do it. And that's what we've done. Yeah. We've done seven to six, Monday to Friday, eight to six, Saturday, nine, six, Sunday. And those dark, Sundays, yeah. it was like tumbling, building shelves on the floor on yeah. a Sunday because there was no one coming in. But we had to stand by. Actually, you need to give people consistency. But but on top of that, if you if you're telling me that you know you're not putting fifty grand advertising campaigns on TV, which would be wasted anyway, but you're not you're not going broadcast. You're relying on word of mouth, and that advocacy and peer to peer stuff means that in a, in a in a small peer group, if I said to my friends, you know, it's open at seven o'clock, guys, and the food's amazing, and the coffee's deadly, and the music's yeah. awesome, and you can just chill out, and they arrive and it's closed, they, they don't pick it out new, they take it out of me. Yeah. So you're relying on that strong advocacy, which is evidently there. You've got a very and good following on social media channels and that, but ultimately people are now which is built up just by posting stuff like it we'd never have, the only thing we've ever paid for on social media is two job offers I, I, you, I post about hiring a barista it's funny that you mentioned that I was there exactly the, 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 uh, but that's the only time we've ever paid given Facebook any money is to, when we put up a job post we sponsored it twice okay. and that's it it's the only time we pay for any are you very aware of the marketing that, you're very aware of that marketing and, and your relationship with the rest of the world that you know, your all of the stuff is your attention to detail is, is evidently one of your brand values, and that's just from talking to you. You know, are you really conscious about the Instagram and the social media channels, and you know, your Snapchatting, and are you really embracing all of that? Uh, the channels that are there. Do you think if you embrace it more with the audience, would it be a bigger audience that you get? Yeah. I think it would be, but we're, we're, we're we have got like a you know because actually it's pretty much been out of our hands the social media the last sort of six months or maybe just less, but. Um, that's one of the staff that's actually that's, that's kind of one of the roles that they've kind of developed but it was a very strong kind of okay here's the guidelines on how we post things when we post things whatever else and we, you almost kind of don't really realise you have them until you have to kind of deliver them to someone else but you know it was all about well keeping it professional and uh, keeping it simple and, and to the point and it's funny because I think we get maybe criticised a little bit for our Instagram being all about our food, be like every cup of coffee looks the same. 
Like there's only so many times you can take a picture of a cup of coffee because even if it, if I've changed the bean that's in there, it doesn't look any different. Um, you know, and so like that's where it's like, and, and actually like people know that they can come and get a coffee. They know that they can come and get a, but the food thing is changing all the time. So it's and it's more of a visual thing than anything. So you know, use it for for that. Um, but. You know, and, and we could be more active in, in other ways, but that will come as we find time to expand our brand online and, and um, engage in that way a bit more. At, for now, it's all been about just trying to bring people into here. You know, and, and it's one of those funny things that, I mean, it literally takes up maybe 10 characters are open on ours on Twitter and uh, on your Twitter bio and our Instagram bio and stuff. But it's really important that they're there. And so many businesses I click on, and I'm like, I can't tell when you're open. And you could, like, it's one of those really just simple little things. It says M to F, seven to six, SA, eight to six, SU, nine to six, or whatever it is. And, and that's it. And you're like, that's really important. Like that, because that just tells you, right, that's what I know. So if they're looking at it at 7 p.m., they're like, no, they're not open. Cool, I'll go tomorrow at 7 a.m. if I want. Um, so this this recurrent theme of detail is just everywhere with you, you know, and, and I think that uh, you, I can mention the name of that cafe that was open at, and then changed their opening hours without telling even their staff, maybe, I guess. Um, but on, on, on talking about you specifically, so if, I, if I'm talking about attention to detail and a real pride in what you do, what other brand values do you think that you stand out for that without, you know, getting sort of too... Uh, you know, just what are the evident brand values that if somebody comes here, what are they expecting, and what kind of what what should the the, the established experience look like? I would hope that they, which sometimes we feel, and you remember the times when things haven't been so great, and they're frustrating for you when you've kind of we haven't delivered what we proudly want to deliver at all times, um, and I hope that it would be quality of the product is consistent like people are getting that consistently great cup of coffee we're taking care of that coffee that's coming in here um, and the service that people actually do feel that like every 2.70 that's spent keeps us open that like that's the bottom line every single 2.70 keeps us open and at times if someone has felt that we haven't appreciated that or well, we feel that I'm, I can count around, it's about, I think, five times where we've had complaints over two and a half years, which isn't bad, but at the same time, I don't know if people have walked out and not said anything. Yeah. Uh, and that's yeah. difficult. Now, we're not perfect. None of us are. You know, there'll be times when it's, you know, we ourselves have just, again, after two and a half years, just come off 16 days straight. We're sure. That's the reality of having your own business. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, we had such a lovely time with the customers. We were just like, so good to have you back. And we're going, are you serious? We're slightly mental now. We've just done 14 days straight with another two to go. But, you know, it is part of what it is. You know, we're, I, I feel, and I think Mark does as well, is that we're really, we feel kind of lucky that we're, these, these businesses are hard because they're, they're seven days a week. You have to be there. You know, it's exactly the same hours. You're trying to provide that quality product and service all the time. Um, and it's hard to keep yourself going. And then in turn, you must provide that for your staff. So if, you were, if you've got learnings now that you could take back to the you guys two and a half years ago, what would they be? And what would you say to somebody else who's not like, oh, I want to open a coffee shop because this is really nice. What would you say to people who are 
looking to follow in your footsteps and, and I definitely wouldn't do it when I'm doing a PhD. <laughs> that would definitely be, don't do that. So seven, seven just ones, still, just do the one thing, just focus on the one thing. I, yeah, and then, you know, it's so difficult in hindsight to kind of go, okay, if I hadn't done that, would it be like this? And there's part of us, you know, have always kind of worked under pressure of some sort. And I think naturally as a species, we kind of do seem to yeah. work under pressure. But as parents but too, I mean, you've got to say that the kids are involved. So you've got your family, to, you've got the plate of the family to spend, you've got your education to spend. But some guy's going out there now and he's flying up and down the, the cobblestones there with his, with his skateboard. And he thinks, yeah, I got to open a coffee shop because that's really cool in there. Mm -hmm. What would you say to them? What, 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 what advice I, would you give? I, I, I think it's... I, if for, you, I would say, why do you want to do it? That would be my first question. Why do you want to do it? Simon Sinek, start with your why, right? Everywhere, yeah. everywhere you and go. If it's about money, then I wouldn't do that. It's, it should be a result yeah. of what. And, and I think it's a really interesting thing. Like, there's a cafe in uh, America, in, in Los Angeles, that, uh, that we really admire. I've never actually been. Uh, but just from the two guys called Glanville and Bavinsky. Um, so a couple of cafes, one's called G&B and the other's called Go Get Em Tiger. Um, and it's <laughs> great name, um, But Cal yeah. uh, Glanville was doing an interview once and, and he said, if, if I knew now, <laughs> if I knew, sorry, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't do it, but I'm really happy I've done it. Yeah. Right, and it's if if we knew how like the cost of it was going to give to us personally, probably like if someone was probably able to deliver that to you in a pill and go, that's what you're going to have to swallow. You'd be like, no, it's cool. I'll do something else. I'll figure this. I'll figure something else out. But there's not one inch of it that you wouldn't that right now that we would go back and, and almost do differently or, or, or wouldn't do. Um, and I think that's the thing. It's it's it, to anyone that would want to start it. It's about knowing that you're going to have to put everything you have into it. It isn't as simple as throw up a coffee machine. And stuff that you don't even know you have or what mm. you will think you need to have, you, it's just, you have to. That's just resilience. Like, that's just, you know, the, the obstacle because is the way. it all plays out on a stage. Yeah. It all plays out on the stage because you're open. Like, okay, yeah, when the doors, are, when the shutters are down like this, you can, you can collapse on the floor and cry. Go for it. Yeah. But see from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m.? Smiles on. Happy faces there. How's it going? You well? Yeah. Um, and that's like you have to dig deep at times to, to deliver that. But you don't ever, you never get a chance to, to drop the ball now. But the one, so one of, just, just to, to, to put this in context, if you're, you're looking at a, a, a I sit in the, in the coffee shop and just opposite the, the potted hen, which is closed down, and I talk about other businesses and some of them I'm familiar with that haven't made the journey with you over the two and a half years. But you travel the journey. You're very proud, evidently very proud of what 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 you've created because it's a, it's a magnificent creation. It's a it's a beautiful coffee shop, but something different has happened. There's a culture has been created. You were first to market, right? It's evidently first to market. There might have been other people who listen to this and go, yeah, there was another guy out the road. He's been talking this game for four years, but I don't see anybody else who has set the benchmark so high in terms of customer service, in terms of the intelligence and the quality, um, the attention to detail, all that stuff, it's just not stuff. You work really hard at the simple things and you work really hard at the detail, the other stuff follows on, but other coffee shops are now aspiring to do what you do. We now the, have a coffee tour in Northern Ireland. You do. It's yeah, amazing, do, like yeah. from here right up the coast. Yeah. And that's so, uh, that, that's, a, that's fantastic for here. 
and the amount of tourists we've had over the last couple of weeks, you know, and that's part of what we we want to do. You just are you going up the north coast? Fantastic. These are the places you need to go to. These are the guys that own it. Yeah, and you stop at Palomina on the way up. Like, when have you ever told someone to stop at Palomina? Right? It's up near, uh, Johnny, 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 yeah, yeah. Johnny yeah. Middle Town Coffee. Yeah. Fantastic. Johnny and Emma. Arson Minor in yeah. Ballycastle, yeah. and then you've got Lost and Found in Coleraine, and then you've got George Babuska in um, Port Rush. Uh, That's nice. another little uh, cafe just opened yeah. in, in Port Stewart, uh, Paper and Fig. Yeah. I think it's called, um, which they're using uh, roasted brown coffee that, that comes out of Dublin. And uh, there's a guy, Richard, who was a customer of ours who so came in on Sunday mornings and just helped out with us, just doing dishes uh, for the crack. But as you know, has opened up the pocket of a Queen's. Uh, it's a tiny little cafe up there. And uh, one of our staff, Nathan, he went off to project manage and, and get Town Square up course, and running, which is botanic. Yeah. Um, and it's what you know. The thing is, as well, the names you mentioned are the people that I would have used the first name with when they were here. Yeah. And that kind of attitude uh, in, in city centres, it's not really urban culture to do that. It probably is via the, the coffee shop because the coffee shop is a hub, whether it's a good hub or a bad hub. But it's, a, it's yeah. and the, the, and they were big personalities. Very much so. And yeah. that's what I'm, I'm saying to you. That's why we're not afraid to change because we had to roll with it. People learn, they want to go off and do their own thing. And that's absolutely for Mark and I have always been. We will try and invest as much of our money as we have into the people. We're just about to run a course for people here that um, we're getting people flying in from Copenhagen. Um, and we're doing the course twice over a week because we want all of our staff to do that. It's really, really important that we invest. And it sounds so ridiculous for most people, but my mum and dad gave us that money just how many people's mums and dads give them money not even think about it that's my dad's pension mm-hmm. he's handed over and we will pay him back over four years every month you know until it's paid out and that's what we've done we've never failed not to give him back that money that's his money how many people get that opportunity and, and it wasn't a lot of money paul i'll be honest with you and it really wasn't we opened this on minimal money we spent most of the money on equipment and i suppose that's where we were smart you know, we did most of the dirty work in here ourselves. We pulled a lot of favours in from people, but we spent the money where we knew we needed it, and that mm-hmm. was the equipment. And then obviously getting great coffee from 3FE in Dublin. And then obviously now we're, it's great we can get kind of guest roasters in from around the world. And we just had Harden from Portland and um, do workshop, Square Mile, and we're actually just about to get one in from Denver, Sweet Bloom. Um, and it's just amazing that like that we reach out to these people yeah. we reach out to these people and they're like like oh yeah i've yes. heard of you guys like that would be class like we we met um a guy uh Klaus thompson who okay. uh, is one of the owners and directors at a place coffee. called coffee collective in denmark in copenhagen um, but he was the World Barista Champion in 2006, I think it was, 2005, 2006. Um, and he was like, The Fall! I've seen your cafe on The Fall! Are you serious? Uh, yeah. And he's still in Starbucks. You want an autograph? You know? yeah. But like, he's kind of a coffee celebrity, like this idea. Of, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, I love the idea of within coffee, it's amazing because they're just. It's the same thing probably in the tech world or, or, or whatever, like, uh, whatever world that you're in. The, if you give me a name even probably of quite a famous footballer, I, I don't follow football, so I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's maybe a bit more populous culture, but 
like there's names of if I was to say James Hoffman is going to walk in here tomorrow the barristers in here would yeah. would squeal yeah. like they, well no yeah. they would probably yeah, they would be like oh crap right okay can't make some coffee this is really good okay okay alright what does he look like again okay right okay is he having one okay you know I, but like if I say that name to you you're like no yeah. no, no idea uh, yeah. but like yeah Kalistan's one of those kind of coffee celebrities and, and he's hard he's hard and with all that, then we're next. Then what's what's the big what's the big plan for for established two point zero? Um, <coughs> We've never. I think we're at a strange. You said this is a strange time in our business. You know, you see a lot of people opening another place or they're doing other things. And for us, it's not never been a massive interest to open a second store. Um, I don't think just from a very personal thing that we could drive what we've driven here. You would be taking, if we're if one of us is the heart and another's the soul, you'll be taking one of it away. Mm. And I think that is really, that's dangerous. Uh, and we don't want another store, technically. Uh, we ha- And I think that's a massive thing, Paul. People don't see the people in your business as part of the product. Where do you get these people? You know, like they're very difficult to find. Um, and we've had our hands burned. Um, we've burnt other people's hands and not meaning to and maybe people coming in and working here and not really understanding or really actually I don't really enjoy it and that probably makes us more sad than anything but we've kept our staff and we've really only one two part-time staff everyone else is full-time we've 11 staff now because we want people to make a career out of this we want them to make a, a profession so, so here, but yeah. money we have we need to invest in them. And, and for, for a HR department in any tech company, they would be definitely having the same conversation. You know, they would be going, we're, we're going to do X, Y, and Z, or any company that's going to, you know, uh, not a coffee shop. You know? yeah. Why are you thinking that? You're just serving coffee, but you're not at all. And I, I get that picture, and I'm, I'm, I'm on the fringes, of which I'm on the wrong side of the bell curve for this. Like, I'm way over here like the, the, the very tired minority on the other side who just go, just give me coffee please, that's really nice. Whereas yeah. the people over here who want that detail. Yeah. And the, the, it's, it's an intellect economy we're in now. You know, it's, you don't get by by 10 and saying I've got 10 or 20 houses, look at me, I'm really great. It's an intellect economy and intellect and, and tech is very obvious. You need to know the product, you need to know how it works, you need to know your competitors, you need to know more than that, you need to know your industry, blah, blah, blah. It's exactly the same here. Yeah. Otherwise, you could just be one of the other coffee shops in yeah. town that people go to occasionally, yeah. and they and don't, don't feel that. Get, we don't want to get invisible, yeah. but we don't want to jump into things that we know are not smart we, or we're not yeah. ready for. We we need That's, to get. We have always said, and this is true more so now than than the niceties of saying it before you've even opened the shop, that we wouldn't don't want to find. Another corner, ten more corner locations, and take the same furniture, the same setup, and go and set it up ten times. This little clone of, of okay, so that's established, and we know what we're getting, we're going in, as we're getting. Because see the deliver what we do, I know that. it's a, it, it, you know, unbelievable. Like you can't, you, we we just have sixteen days straight, and our guys worked five days every week. They got their two days off, and I know by the end of those two weeks for those guys was hard mm-hmm. like every single day they delivered exactly what we wanted them to deliver yeah. and that you know Consi- consistency consistency a lot of people's yeah. lives but i'm talking about within the cafe yeah. industry yeah. and what we are actually trying to deliver yeah. our guys work really hard like they do yeah but that you know w- w- with all that said like 
we have to look towards growth and you have to look towards what, what is it you want to do and, and we're still in the process of asking that question we've potentially got a, a, a building where it will just give us a little bit of office space and training space um, and that's really important to us uh, to kind of uh, get that headspace like we have a cupboard in here that literally stores any overstock of retail stuff of our cold drinks uh, it's where staff hang up their coats and, and get away from the maintenance just eat their lunch but for a long time there wasn't even a table in there to sit at it wasn't a table for us to set a computer on because there was a coffee machine on it and um, like it's a, literally a cupboard and we've been trying to essentially that's been our office and, and we've got to the point where like this we we cannot get the heads if we cannot even think about what's next we're trying to think outside the box of what's next unless we get that space so we, and we think we can expand the business without more spaces yeah. so we're going to look at different ways of doing that you know and that's what's kind of i suppose exciting for us watch this space yeah. Yeah. yeah we would never say no to to, yeah. to having some yeah. kind of other location to having some kind of other diversity diverse way of delivering what start what what well what uh, we believe in about. and i think that is like we believe in what we're serving we believe in the coffee we believe in the service we believe in the people that work with us to deliver all of that the suppliers and all of that and the great customers like we've some of the best customers like we actually genuinely do and i think delivering that or spreading that little bit would be interesting yeah. and i think short term works. online as well is something like yeah. we have this very kind of sparse website that's just kind of been about right give a quick about us and uh, especially when we're hiring really good place to kind of mm. hold that for ourselves um, but that but office space for us to step out and go how does that look so that's that's the next level is that kind of office space for us to kind of have some somewhere to go to and look at kind of what we want to do and train you know yeah. I think that one of, one of the things that, that I, I'm, I'm conscious we're now so it's an hour and 15 minutes ago, <laughs> if you're still here thanks very much for staying with us it's really interesting <laughs> no, this is brilliant Out, um, the, the one thing that I will say is that anybody who doesn't believe the sentiment that's been um, articulated and narrated here needs to come here and for those of you that do come here will understand exactly that this is a very authentic brand for me branding is about authenticity um, and authenticity in my head is you do what you think and you say what you think rather than you just say stuff and don't do any of it and I think you do everything that you say and you do it really well and I think that attention to detail um, is just magnificent and it's refreshing to hear training because as a training coach um, one of the big problems that I have in the business is finding people who think that investing in their people is important because they just go, oh, you could do 20 minutes training there, Paul, it'd be grand, you know, and you're setting up a facility for that. So it's all about this investment in the, you're not investing in the people, you're investing in the customer. And I think it'll be the customer will dictate where you move to next. And I think they will vote very carefully and very evidently with their feet or with their clicks on their mouse and their social yeah. media connections. Guys, thanks, really thank you very much. I, I do have to wrap it up now. I want to just finally say that to reach out to you on Twitter, you're at established. Yeah. Okay, that's not the hard bit. Add established, and the URL is established.coffee. Yep. Yeah, I did a bit of research, so it's good. Um, guys, thank you very much. That's really, really interesting. Thanks and so to everybody else listening, um, thank you for your patience. And I, I can be reached on shift-control.co.uk and at shift-control66. Thanks for your time and patience, and talk to you soon. So that was the established story. Um, I think it's a fascinating one. Um, and it's one that other brands in that area in Belfast and wherever could do well to copy. Um, they make everything look so easy. It's so, so 
easy to call it just a it's a coffee shop but um, that's the view from the outside when you're in the middle of it and you hear from mark and bridging firsthand the work that they've put into taking it to this level their attention to detail um you know um, they've created this brand simply by word of mouth um, social media has obviously helped them they've got a fairly rich following on social media um but really it's word of mouth locally and um what they do they do really really well so again thanks for coming along and listening um just to let you know also that these podcasts are now available on itunes so that just means you can flip them onto your mobile devices and uh, listen to the, the show whenever you're out walking or in the car or whatever so again thanks for for tuning in and i'll get back to you soon